welcome to another delicious episode of Who Ate It First, a food history podcast. My name is Logan Runquist, and I hope you're hungry. Also, I'm Kendall Runquist. Woo! Hello. How are you? Tired. Okay. <laughs> well, I hope I can pep you up with well, this episode. It's 10.48 p.m. right now for our listeners. We don't always record this late. So, no, we're normally better about this. It's just sometimes it be like that. So if my energy drops, um, it's probably because I fell asleep. So I'm going to make sure he doesn't fall asleep. I have something to throw at him. I have some gummy bears that I'm going to throw at him. Great. (laughs) You get jazzed around this time. Like this is when you you are are most productive. Typically, yes. I mean, tonight, yes, I am tired. Um, But yeah. Normally, right now, I'm like, hey, let's party. All I want to do is go to bed. I can try to go as fast as as I can. Are you ready? I'm ready. To take a ride with me? Where are we going? Well, we're going to El Salvador. So it's a bit of a trek. You've been there before, but I haven't. Yeah. You ready to go? I'm ready. Cool. Well, today, we're going to be discussing pupusas. Have you ever heard of this word? Only from you. Only from me? Oh, okay. Nowhere else? No. Okay. Do you know anything about them? Uh, I think they're like corn uh, pockets of stuff. Okay. <laughs> well, let's see if you're right. So just a little background. These are Salvadorian, as I said. And I had the pleasure of going to El Salvador when I was doing some mission work for our church. It was my first time going to Latin America, and that was back in 2018. So I went with a women's group, and we had a great time. So much fun. I did get to experience a little bit of San Salvador, the city, before we drove to the main area where the church was. And then we drove a little bit in a bus and went to Ilopongo and Hikalapa. So I was kind of in like three different areas. Um, But El Salvador is beautiful. There's mountains, volcanoes, forest, jungle, regular city. San Salvador is just like any big city. It has buildings and restaurants and uh, nightlife and all that kind of stuff. That was the first time that I had a pupusa was when I was there. And it was on the school campus that we were volunteering with. The school is called Siloe. And it's a Christian school for kids ranging from elementary to high school, if I remember correctly. And one of our group members was from El Salvador herself. And she helped make them one day. So that was kind of fun. We got to like watch her kind of behind the griddle making them. So I remember eating them with a student. He was about to graduate and he preferred to hang out with the older people in the group just because he didn't want to hang around like the little kids. So he preferred to hang around us. So we were like, hey, what's up? And he was showing us how to eat these. He said specifically, you have to eat these with your hands. You can't use any utensils. You have to eat them with your hand because it, quote, just tastes better, (laughs) unquote. (laughs) And I was like, okay. And they were very delicious. Let me get into what it is, first of all. Okay. So basically, it's a stuffed tortilla. You're correct. 
And it's a staple dish in El Salvador that can be eaten at any meal. They're made from thick corn tortillas stuffed with a savory or occasionally sweet filling. The fillings tend to change with the time of day. Sweeter ones are with breakfast. More savory are for lunch and dinner. Most common fillings usually involve beans, cheese, or pork, sometimes chicken. Just kind of depends. It's really interesting. I didn't know that you could have these for breakfast. I didn't know that either. Uh, this information was coming from foodandarchaeology.com and also uh, nuestrostories.com, the history of pupusas. So, yeah, that's what their website was telling me, which was very interesting. So the exact origin of the pupusa is unknown, but some form of it likely goes back thousands of years. What a surprise. <laughs> unknown. <laughs> I think it's just one of those things like this has been a staple food in a country for so long. It's really hard to pinpoint exactly how it started. Yeah. You know. I've given up on that. I think all food is just unknown. Because <laughs> a lot of this came about before recorded history. Exactly. So we don't know. Exactly. And um, I mean, I think it's kind of cool that a lot of this food has perpetuated throughout history even before we kept track of that kind of thing for sure for sure yeah thousands of years ago yeah there was no there was no written way of keeping track of that there was barely written language back then it's mainly spoken i don't know specifically about latin america but maize was domesticated from a word that i can't pronounce nine thousand years ago hmm. in mexico and gradually became a staple crop across the Americas. In fact, in Mesoamerica, maize was a large, if not primary, part of the diet by 4,000 years ago. So people have been eating corn and maize for generations and generations and generations. This archaeological website has information for the domestication of maize. So if you're interested in such... <laughs> A treasure trove. They they have that there for you. <laughs> but for the Americas, maize was more than just a crop. Its production and consumption were linked to everything from religion to hierarchy to economic systems to political power. For many cultures, maize was even linked to the most powerful religious deities, such as the Maya maize god. This kind of transcends food, right? And I kind of love it when when this happens in history. Like a crop is so prevalent and it's just beyond food now. It's now taken on like a religious sort of icon mm -hmm. is really fascinating to me. But so fast forwarding a couple thousand years, there isn't a ton of evidence around when pupusas as we know them were created, but it's believed they were created by the indigenous peoples called the people tribe, P-I-P-I-L. It looks like people or pipil, perhaps. And they lived in today's El Salvador over 2,000 years ago. Their pupusas were vegetarian, stuffed with squash, blossoms, herbs, and mushrooms. And also, if you're hollering at me saying, I've seen pupusas not in El Salvador, you're correct. They traveled a little bit to Honduras, and some people have seen variations of these called arepas in Venezuela or kind of other other parts and arepa is very close to a pupusa. So 
if you're hollering at me at home, hopefully that (laughs) (laughs) helped a little bit. But after colonization and more so in the 1570s, meat began being used as addition to the filling. It could be pork accompanied by refried beans or squash. This recipe would often include curtido, which is a tangy Salvadorian cabbage slaw slash relish. And that tangy acidity sort of cuts through the meat and like whatever filling you have. Typically, if you go get these from a food stall or something, you'll get a pupusa, a side of relish and a side of salsa, most likely. Instead of relish, they could be using the word slaw, just kind of depends. Etymology wise, the word pupusa comes from the pipil pupusawa which in Spanish is translated, oh goodness, let's see if I can do this, popotlax from another type of word. I'm sorry, I'm going to butcher that one. And that means big stuffed tortilla. (laughs) There we go. And thanks to elsalvadorinfo.net, the famous website, (laughs) I got this information. There is actually a National Pupusa Day. And it is a holiday celebrated in El Salvador and the second Sunday in November. Y'all, it's coming up. We're setting this episode out so y'all can participate. I'm just kidding. I didn't know about that until yesterday. (laughs) Um, But municipalities all over El Salvador use this day to hold different types of events. But the best municipality to visit during the national holiday, Olaquita. I'm so sorry if I butchered it. And that town is known as the Pupusa capital. Another fun fact, in 2015, that same city was included in the Guinness Book of World Records for creating the largest pupusa (laughs) in the world. The largest pupusa is 14 feet 9 inches in diameter. Sweet. (laughs) And was made by the Alcadia de Olaquita. El Salvador on November 8th, 2015. You should see this picture. How do you even cook something like that? I don't know. And I'm a little grossed out. Do you just buy like oh, a 20 foot oven? Here we go. To assemble the largest pupusa, 300 pounds of flour, 200 pounds of cheese, 10 pounds of the Loroco flowers. I'll talk about those later. 115 pounds of beans and 80 pounds of pork were used. So I don't know. And that doesn't answer your question of how to how to cook that. Maybe they don't. <laughs> Just There you go. It's raw pupusa. I mean, I don't know. The picture that I'm looking at, it looks pretty cooked to me. Hmm. Honestly, they might have just made just like a a real big aluminum pan and made a real big fire pit and just yeah, you'd put have it to, that way. Yeah, you'd have to do something like that, I guess. Can you imagine flipping that to cook the you other side? You can't flip it. <laughs> can't flip it. Everybody push. <laughs> <laughs> there, are, there are approximately like 25 people standing around this circumference-wise. In meters, it's uh, 4.5 meters in diameter, if you prefer meters. I I have to include this picture because it is fascinating and slightly revolting. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh, We're all very proud of you. Congratulations on your largest pupusa in the world. 
I hope you ate it. I hope it was good, question mark. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that's pretty much the general overview of Papusas. For our recipe, we're using something that a fan sent us. Oh. Do you want to tell the people more? Yes, ladies and gentlemen, and however else you prefer to define yourself. (laughs) We got our first piece of fan mail. Fan mail. From none other than my first fan. My mom. Aw, yay. (laughs) (laughs) So supportive. Yeah. We appreciate it. But I I used it for this recipe. In fact, we received a book called Latinismo by Sandra A. Gutierrez. And it is a lovely repository of all kinds of Latin American foods, ranging from snacks, desserts, appetizers, breakfast, lunch, dinner, etc. She has lovely write-ups in each one. So I used her as a as a source for this recipe. We're going to be making the pupusas de queso because that's what I had when I was in El Salvador. So I'm really trying to recreate what I had. And I'll post a picture of, of what I had. Yeah. Anyway, and I'm going to attempt to recreate it. This recipe makes four to six servings. You're going to need three cups of masa harina. We actually got ours at Target. Just a little fun fact. Uh, Three and a quarters to three and a half cups of warm water. One and a half cups shredded queso blanco, Munster, or other melting cheese. Half a cup of soft goat cheese. We didn't quite use that. We are going to be using... It was a vegan cream cheese. Yeah, some vegan cream cheese because that's all we have in our fridge right now. Oopsie. And we were trying to not kill ourselves. Yeah, I also didn't want to go overboard on the dairy. And now this recipe states, have a cup of chopped loroco buds. And these are edible flowers that are found in Latin America. They give it an earthy flavor. But the book noted that we could sub with kale or collard greens. And so we are using some which is neither of those things, but no, we don't like kale. I don't like kale. And then I asked Kendall what would be kind of earthy. I found out later that we might have been able to use artichoke, but that was from a different article. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't learn that until later. So I don't, I'm not entirely sure about that one. I, I need to do a little bit more research. We're, we're just trying our best here, folks. You know, you're also going to need half a cup of vegetable oil. Some Curtado de Repollo. This is the slaw or the relish that I was talking about. Some people call it Curtido. There's some spelling differentiation. And you're also going to need some salsa de tomato preparada or salsa Santa Rosa. Just red salsa, kind of of your choosing. The book references two of our other recipes. I got the Curtido recipe from food.com which is just curtido de repollo, El Salvadorian cabbage salad. Step one, in a large bowl, combine the masa harina with three and a quarter cups of the water and knead with your hands until you have a soft dough with the consistency of Play-Doh. Cover with plastic wrap or a kitchen towel and let the dough rest for 10 minutes. 
To see if it's ready, take a tiny piece and shape it into a disc. If the edges crack when shaped, add more water. If the dough is too soft, add more masa, just really small tablespoons at a time. Step four, in the meantime, in a medium bowl, stir together the cheese and your Loroco buds or spinach in our case, and uh, do that until it comes together in a ball. Step five, line a baking sheet with a damp towel. Heat a nonstick griddle on medium-high heat. Moisten your hands with some vegetable oil and divide the masa into 12 portions, patting them into half-inch thick discs. Step six, keep them covered with a damp towel to prevent them from drying out. And step seven, working one disc at a time, place two heaping tablespoons of the cheese filling in the center. Bring the outer edges of the dough up and over to enclose it. And step eight is with oiled hands, roll the pupusa into a ball and then pat it again into a half inch thick disc between the palms of your hands, kind of like a slapping it back and forth method, exchanging it in each hand. Repeat with the remaining dough. Step nine, place the pupusas on the griddle and cook until they are golden with brown flecks or little brown spots about four to five minutes per side. Step 10, transfer the finished pupusas to the baking sheet and cover them with the damp towel to allow them to steam and become tender. And when you're all finished, you can serve with your salsa and your slaw. Let's go try to make these. Let's do it. All right. What did you think? I think I did a bad again. <laughs> it's not that they were bad. Well, okay. So you had them from El Salvador. Yeah. And then we've just now made them and had some. Yeah. Oh, I've had some at Glorious too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, too. I'm just saying like okay. I've had a, them a few times. Okay. Before we get into that, uh, from El Salvador and from Gloria's, how authentic is Gloria's? Pretty darn authentic. Pretty darn. Yeah. Because they are a Salvadorian cuisine restaurant. Mm-hmm. Now, they're a chain. If we want auth- like as authentic you can go without booking a plane ticket, there's about 15 different small pupuserias around Austin, actually. Mm-hmm. And um, they all have like crazy high reviews. They're all, they look really good. Um, so I'm just using Gloria's because I think they're a regional chain and I think most people know what it is if they haven't been. Um, but yeah, I would say those are pretty darn authentic. You'd probably get more authentic going to a food truck uh, or a food stall. I love that this is a thing that it's called a pupuseria. Yeah. Like it's a thing enough that it has its own, like a taqueria, right? Yeah. I love that. Yeah, or a pondery, like a bakery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same thing. But yeah, there's places that literally specialize in pupusas. Because um, again, like they're a staple food, right? Like they're they're used for kind of everything, snack, breakfast, lunch, dinner, etc. So yeah, all of that to say. Well, what did you think first? Having never had them, although you might have had a bite of one at Gloria's years ago. Um, yeah, I've had them at Gloria's. It's been a lot of time since I've been to Gloria's, so I can't say I remember them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely think we 
needed some improvements. I was also looking at my picture compared to these. Our flower was a totally different color. Mm-hmm. Like I know the recipe specified masa harina. Harina, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. Um, but the the ones that I had in El Salvador, like so these are yellow. These are tinged yellow. Uh-huh. The ones I had in El Salvador were more white. Okay. It was probably a different kind of corn that was being used. Yeah. So I don't know if that contributes anything flavor-wise. I just found it interesting. Yeah. I mean, for me, it wasn't the flavor that was the problem. So I, I don't think that had anything to do with my stuff. But I'll get into my stuff in a second while we continue talking about you. I just... I just did a bad. <laughs> uh, I think I made them too thick. And I we didn't have enough of the cream cheese. And it, so it didn't bind the binder in the middle together very well. And so like my ratio of filling to dough was off. So it was just more dough than it was filling. And some of them were cooked all the way through. Although I did take a bite of one and I feel like it wasn't cooked all the way through. Even though I did cook it like 10, like 10 minutes total, like five on each side. Some, some I went a little longer. So I'm a little unsure why it didn't get cooked all the way. We had that griddle up to 400 degrees. They were edible. They were fine. The salsa we got was good. That's laid. The salsa was actually pretty good. That's laid. And, uh. Target. Who would have guessed? Yeah, seriously. And the slaw cabbage. I accidentally didn't use cabbage. I accidentally (laughs) used shredded lettuce because I didn't want to shred a whole head of cabbage. That was my bad. And honestly, when I opened the bag, didn't even notice that it said lettuce. Just saw the word shredded and went, yep. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it still tasted good. You can can disagree if you want. The slaw? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you can disagree if you want. I think it still tasted like a slaw. I remember distinctly having that in El Salvador, and that tasted very similar. I feel like this recipe had more spices, though. So I'm going to give it, I think I'm going to give it a 5 out of 10. Okay. I'm sad, and I feel like all of El Salvador is mad at me. I had high hopes because I've, I mean, I'm not, I haven't eaten these a ton. I've had them a few times. I had relatively high hopes. It's all right. It was your first attempt to make them, so I wouldn't beat yourself up too much about it. I am already. <laughs> too too late. Um, But I'm about to beat you up about it. What? I'm just kidding. What? Oh. I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I mean, like, I'll, I'm going to give my critique, but not to say I don't love you, and I don't think you're a bad cook. I think this was just not your best uh moment i guess i don't know i followed the instructions though and yeah i mean it's not entirely your your fault so you know we literally just made this so i've been having thoughts kind of swirling around my head um but i I think some of the missteps that we took was initially with the dough we put in the water we put in all of the water it said to i know i know it said to we put in all of the water and the flour, but I think what we really should have done is put in only some of it, see how it is, put in more if we need it, see how it is, and 
iterate it on it more instead of just putting all the water uh, because then what we had to do was we had to it was too watery so we had to put more of the flour in and that I think ended up increasing the amount of dough that we had which is why it all that dough was a lot thicker oh that's a good because point. we had a whole lot more flour in that, there than you originally needed that's true that so that's a good point yeah so that's why they were a lot thicker that's why they probably didn't cook all the way through because they were thicker and we just ended up with like big big chunks <laughs> some of them some of them are smaller yeah but some of them were big so i think that was problem honestly that was maybe the main problem and then yeah the filling like you already mentioned we didn't have enough of a binder so it was hard to put the stuff in there since we were swapping out the spinach for for the um flowers yeah those um, larocco buds you didn't actually measure that you just kind of eyeballed it and i think we actually needed more spinach but also since there wasn't enough binder it was hard to tell so i get that um in order to make the spinach work i would have had to have chopped it so fine or used a food processor yeah um or just had more binder in there so we could have like actually kept the pieces together maybe which is what we were missing we didn't have enough of that binder oh So, yeah, I think just the misstep with how we handled the dough and then just that, yeah, there was way too much dough to filling ratio. I'm so and sorry. I, I think that was, I think that was really it, honestly. I think that's actually the the only thing is just the dough to filling ratio was, was off. And that's it. <laughs> the first bite I had, though, I was so hungry because it was like really late. So I was like, these are so good. And then the second bite, I was like, uh, actually, now that I've had the first bite. I'm so and I'm hungry. sorry. I'm not so sure about this. I feel so bad. <laughs> like, y'all, I can cook. I can read. Yeah, you I can. swear. I don't like, I play fast and loose a little bit with seasonings, I guess. Um, but like, you don't I, always measure. No, but like, I measured the masa just like, just like you taught me. Mm-hmm. Like you were watching me. I did it just like how you do flour when you're baking. Like I. Yeah, no, you did that right. I did it right. I followed all the instructions. Yeah. I swear. You, you, yeah, I know. And I'm not saying that you didn't. You did follow the instructions. But I think the instructions failed us. I guess is what I'm saying. Is I get, I, Yeah, maybe it should have said like, don't put all the water in it all at once. Yeah. And I should have thought about that because flour when you're creating a dough, like it's always different. It's never the same. So you really want to not just go whole hog and dump everything in there at once. Oh, um, well, you, I don't bake. I had no idea. Yeah. I, I should have thought about that, but it was late and I wasn't thinking. So um, I could have prevented that probably, but it's, it's all right. I just, I don't bake because, because of stuff like this. That's ridiculous. If I am making some, if I'm making a dough, I should have an instruction and it should work every single time. That's ridiculous. Like that's what I dislike about baking. Yeah. And honestly, I can't give you an answer because I actually don't know myself, but I'm sure it has something to do with just the the flowers is just different every time. In yeah. Tiny ways that end up you having different results every time that you, you might put the same amount of water and one time it's perfect consistency and other time it's too watery other times it's too they're just not enough you know so you have to be really careful about that um but yeah so I, I think it was it then we tried to recover and ended up with just too much dough 
That makes sense. Honestly, we shouldn't have used all of it. I didn't we even I didn't yeah. even think about that. I literally didn't even think about that. I was just like, oh yeah, it says cut into 12. Okay. Yeah, so let's use all of it. I, di- I literally did not even think. Yeah. I guess I was tired too, but I wasn't even considering that to be an option. Yeah, yeah, and that's right. So anyway, yeah, that's, that's why I was thinking, or why I mentioned, you know, I wasn't thinking about that at the time, but now I've had time to like sit back and think about it while I've been talking. Um, I think that's really the big thing was, was that, that initial step, um, probably cascaded down and caused the other issues that we had Ugh. and just not enough filling, but obviously we didn't have enough filling because now we had too much dough. So Ugh. there you go. That's my thoughts. Um, but I, I think knowing that, what do you um, rate it? Well, first off, I think knowing that were we to go back and make these again and correct those mistakes it'd be a lot better so with that in mind for this one i'd rate it a four out of ten but i i think it would be it could be a lot better and we're gonna oh. go to gloria's tomorrow and we're gonna order some and i'm gonna try to make myself feel better <laughs> well and i was gonna say like we could these are super easy to make right it was yeah it took us i mean it took us a while because like the grilling or the griddle part was the longest part, actually. Yeah, four to five minutes per side was the longest amount of time that you spent doing anything. Yeah, half of the time that we spent was maybe even over half was actually just standing there waiting for them to cook. Yeah. So they're really easy to make um, and put together. So honestly, like we could go back and do a second attempt in the future if we want to because it's really easy to make. So I definitely recommend people try these. Just keep those things. This is why we do this, right? Like we attempt the things and then we can relay that information and hopefully give y'all some guidance about how our first attempts went so that if anybody else is having or trying it for their first time, they can take the advice that we give you so that your attempt comes out better. Yeah. And that's why we do this. That and I just like to eat food. Yeah. I was about to say I was (laughs) false. We just like to eat food. Yeah. I just like food too but also it's just a fun way that we can both give you the history of the food and uh hopefully give you some advice if you ever try it yourself yeah um but yeah i'll just say a four out of ten for our attempt that's that's kind of how i've been going about it this season is i i'm not rating papooses a four out of ten i just want to clear the air with that one i don't think papooses are a four out of ten food i'm rating our attempt at making a pupusa yeah at a four out of ten yeah for sure all the foods if i had them from truly authentic people making them i'm sure they would all be 10 out of 10 but yeah our attempt is not (laughs) reflective on how good they are as a food yeah because they are very good okay i'm gonna go cry now (laughs) (laughs) right yeah i didn't have anything else okay all right well that is gonna do it for this episode of Who Ate It First. Just as a reminder, we are still asking everyone to share our episodes so that we can hit our listener goals. We haven't hit any yet, so I'm hoping that we'll hit some soon. Don't you want to listen to us throw pies at each other? Sure you do. Send it to your friends. Yeah, don't forget, you'll get to see our beautiful faces on video, or if you prefer podcasts, listen to us throw pies at each other. Uh, we have a bunch of other fun content that we love to make and share with everybody blind taste testing always fun (laughs) 
but we're not going to get that until we get those listeners. So once again, the first episode of this season, we're looking for um, 20 listens, the second episode, and then we go up by five every episode. So with this being episode four, we are attempting to get 40 listens, which is quite a bit. That's a lot. So. But not really. If one listener shares it to one person at their work. Yeah. If if one person shares it to two people and those people share it to two others and then those share it to two others. And then you got yourself a classic Ponzi scheme, a classic <laughs> pyramid scheme. And then, you know, there you go. And everybody benefits. But mostly us. Did this just become like seven degrees of Kevin Bacon? I don't know what that. You don't? Oh, well, there's this theory online called the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. And it says that every person on this planet is just seven degrees away from Kevin Kevin Bacon, Bacon, um, which is very funny. So a lot of people, you know, they'll go through their their friend list or their family list and they're like, oh, my gosh, actually, wow, I I do know Kevin Bacon. It's seven, seven (laughs) people away from me. I need like, to my cousin out. knows so-and-so and so-and-so and they work in this industry and so-and-so blah, 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 all the way to seven and wow, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I need to uh, do that now. Yeah. So I'm going to go next episode. I'm going to tell you if I'm seven <laughs> degrees from Kevin Bacon. <laughs> there you go. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, that'll wrap it up. Yeah. Anybody can share this podcast with if you like what we do, please share it with friends and family. Leave us reviews. If you listen to Spotify, we've actually been adding some like uh, a question at the end of our episodes as well um, that you can access on the Spotify app. And yeah, follow us on Instagram too. We post all of our videos and pictures of the food that we make. So definitely go check that out if you want to see the stuff that we make. Woo! These look better than they tasted. <laughs> <laughs> and our uh, Instagram handle is the same as the podcast. So it's at who ate it first. Who? ate it first and that'll wrap it up so thanks everyone for listening and we will see you next week bye